Welcome to Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners, the boutique owner-operator of upscale private golf and country clubs nationwide. Board Chats is your go-to source for all things private club boardroom. Our mission is to deliver valuable insights, expert advice, and actionable strategies that will elevate your boardroom experience. Join us as we deep dive into topics like improved decision-making, enhanced board communication, strategic planning, and long-term success. I'm your host, Denny Corby, and I'm excited to help you take your club's governance to the next level. Board Chats is here to provide you with invaluable insights and expert advice on how to successfully navigate the unique challenges faced by private club boards, ensuring a thriving and sustainable future for your club. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Denny Corby here. Welcome to the revamp of Board Chats. I'm very excited to be bringing this back. I'm excited to be uh, the new host here over on Private Club Radio, and I'm excited to be working with Peter, Nula, and Concert Golf Partners to bring back Board Chats, where we deep dive into the world of private club boards. So I'm very excited to be bringing them back. If you don't know who Concert Golf Partners are, they are a boutique owner-operator of upscale private golf and country clubs uh, nationwide. They are all-cash investors because they believe um, you know, great clubs really benefit from the stability uh, and certainty that comes with you know long-term debt-free ownership. So you know they've they have de- decades of experience. They're over 30 clubs now, um, you know, owning and operating private clubs all throughout the United States. And they, uh, you know, unlike other third-party uh, country club management services, uh, which kind of take a fee, Concert Golf Partners invests their own capital into into your club uh, so they can fund capital projects, build new amenities, pay off all old uh, club debt. And the best part is ensuring that member assessments are a thing of the past. Yes, those are like magic words. So for this first episode back, I asked Peter, let's get down, let's get back to basics. Who are you? What's Concert Golf Partners? And really, more importantly, why are we doing board chats. Because for me, it's important that you all as listeners know why we're doing this, where it comes from, why we care so much about not just private clubs, but private club boardrooms. So you get to hear from Peter about that. It is going to be a great episode. There's going to be so much more to come, but uh, this is your first time listening or don't know who Concert Golf Partners are or what board chats are or what they're going to be about. This is a great place to start. So Welcome to Private Club Radio. Welcome to Board Chats, presented by Concert Golf Partners. Let's get started. Who are you? Who's Who's Peter? And uh, what got you to where you're at now? Uh, what's your What's your background? Yeah, I guess short version, Denny, is uh, I uh, learned how to play golf when I was ten or twelve years old in Northern California. I uh, was on the college golf team at Harvard as an undergrad. And then I show up at this private equity firm I was working at, and uh, some golf deals came into our office. And somebody said, do you want to take a look at this? And so that was kind of my introduction. The the Club Corps and American Golfs back in the 1990s was my introduction to all this. So that's my background in golf. And then I started uh, a business called Arnold Palmer Golf Management in 1993 with Arnie which was incredible uh, as an experience for a young guy in the golf business. 
What what was that experience like? What what was some of like the 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 highlights for you? Oh my gosh! Well, just Mr. and Mrs. Palmer, right? First time I met them was at uh, Jack Nicholas's memorial tournament up in uh, Dublin, Ohio. Yeah, they invited yeah. me there because I had cold called them and asked them if he wanted to have a partner <laughs> in the business. Yeah, why don't you come on up to the memorial? Okay, I show up and Winnie Palmer cooks us this super high cholesterol breakfast in in a <laughs> condo where Arnie's staying. He's like the honoree that week as the major honoree of the tournament, the memorial tournament. Anyway, we had breakfast, reached over, he shakes my hand, and you know the stories about Arnie, looked you in the eye with this huge mitt, said, Peter, we don't need any lawyers. We don't need a contract. Your handshake is your is your bond. <laughs> I thought, wow, this guy. Now I understand why this guy has such a global following. Anyway, yeah. that was the beginning of it. We went out and bought a bunch of golf courses and country clubs at Arnold Palmer Golf together in the 1990s. Gotcha. And then where are we at now? Who? What is Concert Golf Partners? Yeah, so I left the industry for a few years. Uh, and then in 2010, uh, one of my former colleagues from there, Susan Dunavant, who's our chief operating officer, she and I agreed to get back into the business but focused solely on upscale private clubs. We just liked the private clubs we had back in the Palmer days. You, you know the private club business. We, we knew the members on a first-name basis. It's much more intimate, whereas when you're doing daily fee or resort golf, your customers are coming and going, and you don't necessarily build a relationship with them. So anyway, we uh, started Concert Golf Partners to focus solely on owning and operating upscale private country clubs. So since the time of the founding in 2010, we're up to 29 going on 30 country clubs now that we own and operate. We have a team now over 3,000 people. There's a small corporate team experienced in all areas, you know, agronomy, membership, operations, food and beverage, you name it, just what you would expect. And, and uh, we've really attracted some very talented people to the organization uh, over that time period. You know, Denny, I think for decades now, there's been a what people call the golf management business, which I think there's over 100 companies you could hire at your golf course for, I don't know, ten or $15,000 a month to help you operate the club that you own, right? Staffing monthly reports, financials, that kind of stuff. For the absentee owner or somebody who doesn't quite know what they're doing and running a golf hospitality business. I think there's over 100 of those. Troon is the biggest, Kemper Sports, and there are a number of other people like that who, who sell services for fees. They're basically like a consulting firm, but they help you run your club. That's the golf management industry. There is a smaller section of the industry that are the owner-operator groups. Club Corp started this in the 1950s for private clubs, and there's a handful of others. I think there's maybe a half a dozen companies like us that have the capital to actually acquire your club, operate it, and reinvest in the improvements that you're going to need to keep these very capital-intensive clubs in tip-top shape. That's the segment that we're in, owner-operators of, of clubs. What makes us different, you asked? Um, so I think we're kind of known as an upscale boutique group, right? So I don't know. In the hotel industry, you have 
mass market type players like Marriott and Hilton and people like that. And then you have some upscale boutique companies, the Four Seasons or the Ritz-Carlton's or on an even smaller scale, uh, you have some other boutique brands. We're sort of in that category. We only focus on upscale private country clubs. We are known as people who do not try to replace the identity of your club with our brand. We're not trying to be Troon or Kemper or any of that or Club Corp. We are McGregor Downs Country Club in Raleigh. We are Blue Hill Country Club in Boston. We, are, we act behind the scenes, bringing hundreds of millions of dollars of capital and our operations team to help run your club better, but you still remain Blue Hill Country Club. Right? So we are the people that preserve, enhance the existing club traditions, your member guest, your, your specific unique features that make your 100-year-old country club so special to all of you. But we have the capital and the management team to know how to run it and invest in it more than your typical standalone club. Now, I know this is going to ask almost like which one is your favorite kid, but I know each club has its own uniqueness to it, right? Its own little strategy or its ups and downs. Um, can you maybe tell us about any case studies or uh, clubs that you're really proud of? Yeah, we have so many uh, great case studies, Denny. Of, uh, I mean, just pick one of the ones that we just talked about. Blue Hill Country Club up in Boston. I've been there since 1921. So a 100-year-old club, member-owned for all that time. Uh, board of 10 or 12 members that raised their hand as volunteer board members. Lawyers, doctors, business people from around town. Sure, I'll serve on the board for a year or two. And, you know, they do their best. They volunteer their time. They show up every other Thursday night to go to meetings. They have committees, golf, greens and grounds committee, finance committee, uh, you know, entertainment committee, social committee. And they these people work really hard at it, but Blue Hill is a perfect example of dozens of these that we've now been involved in where, okay, we keep handing the baton to the next round of board members every year. We now have some debt that we piled up from the last round of capital improvements we did at our club. You know, we redid our golf course or our bunkers or our clubhouse. We still have $5 million worth of debt, a loan from a local bank from that. But our members today, who are down from where we you know, wish we were by 30 or 50 members, so we wish we had a few more members, they want to do another several million dollars worth of improvements. Okay, well, who's going to pay for that? Well, the bank won't lend us any more money. Our members don't want to be assessed five or 10,000 bucks. We asked people. So what did we propose? How about we pay off your bank loan so you have no more debt. How about we fund the several million dollars of improvements that your members want? We'll own and operate the club. Your dues will still be the same, 800 bucks a month or whatever it is there. We'll operate the club, no more committees and board stuff. We'll have an advisory board of members that we talk to about what's going well, what isn't, what's the next improvements you want to see. But now these people don't have to self-govern, self-fund, and try to run their country club Right, because they have busy lives. These people are doctors and lawyers and things. They want to go play golf and pay their bill every month and have a great club. But did anyone really say that they wanted to spend hundreds of hours of unpaid time every year trying to learn how to run a country club? The answer is zero of them wanted that. So 
Blue Hill's a great success story where we did that. The club filled up with members. We have a wait list there. The initiation fee has doubled or tripled since we've gotten there. And it's a place that's just, you know, build up big capital reserves. So as things happen or members want things, we're continually reinvesting back into it. And, uh, you know, it's happened like that all over the country. But that's, that's one example. So why don't you describe to us why we're doing board chats? I want you to, because, you know, we talked about who you are, what is Concert Golf Partners, but, you know, with me just taking back over Private Club Radio, I thought, let's do a fresh start. Let's explain, you know, right now, who are you, what's Concert Golf Partners, but more importantly, why are we doing board chats? You know, why should people be listening? So, you know, tell us. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, I'm really glad you're hosting this. I think it's a great forum for our little niche industry of private clubs. You know, there are places to go, like CMAA, Club Managers Association of America, Golf Inc. Magazine. There are publications and and organizations that I think do a good job focusing on things like operations, food and beverage, clubhouse design. A lot of that stuff gets covered elsewhere. The one thing I rarely see covered that you're you know, a perfect host to try to do is, well, what goes on in 4,000 private country club boardrooms where you are one of the 10 people that volunteered to run your club? How do we raise capital to fix up our club? How do we manage the club? Should we hire a golf management company and try that out? How do we replace our general manager? Like the strategic stuff that goes on inside the boardroom, I probably talk to a hundred of these people a year. Members of our team do that. And remember, we're in partnership with you know, 29 of these clubs, most of which were member-owned for 50, 80, 100 years before we got there. And so the issues that clubs are going through all across the country are common ones. We're in those boardrooms, and we just thought, well, maybe we can bring up some of those topics. Maybe we can address them and provide some input, some valuable resources to all those other board members out there around the country. And now, you know, this isn't a, a new thing. There's previous episodes of board chats. We're just kind of continuing, just kind of, you know, restarting the engine here. Um, you know, why don't you talk about maybe a couple of the topics that you've discussed before, things that we're going to talk about, you know, what are what are some of these things that people can look forward to? Because um, it's one of those, it is, it may seem boring, but we're not making it boring because these are very interesting topics that are very important. But like, what are some of these topics? Like, what are some of these things that we're going to be talking about? Yeah, we've talked in the past, Denny, about, um, uh, you know, general managers of country clubs, right? There's the whole history of either being at an equity club, a member-owned club, or being at a professionally owned and operated club like ours. What's the difference? Is the grass greener on one side or the other? Well, you know, there are pros and cons to each. We've talked to superintendents, agronomists, who you know, have to deal with a greens and grounds committee in an equity club, or they work at a company like ours, and they have you know, lots of money and resources and expertise at their disposal, but the job is different. Um, We've talked about capital improvements. I would say the number one topic that comes up all the time in the boardroom, right, that you don't necessarily read about in magazines is, how are we gonna go find three, five, ten million dollars to fix up our club? What do three or 400 members want to do? Some people want to redo the bunkers, greens, irrigation. Some people want to add an outdoor patio. 
want to redo the bar, want to redo the locker rooms. Well, wait a minute. We get 400 of us. We all need to vote. Oh, well, we can't agree, so let's do nothing. Or why don't we do all of it? Now the project is $24 million. <laughs> and so that, that whole issue is, is really challenging in the club industry. And so it's a common one for us because we solve that, right? We take that list from the members, their wish list of what they want to do, and we pay for it. And so there's no assessment. Your bill is still the same as it was last month. And somebody with the resources, the capital, and the expertise who's done you know, dozens of these projects all over the country, they can handle it for us. But those are some common topics. And I think we'll get into some other topics that we haven't covered before. Because, like, for example, this last year, hurricanes blew through Florida and the southeast. Some, some of your listeners are at clubs yeah. like that. Okay. Well, what happens? Well, if you're a standalone club, it probably took you a while to assess your members put the money back in, get your course reopened, fix millions of dollars worth of damage. Okay. If you're a concert golf type of a club, we just immediately spent five or six million dollars in cash well, over a two or three week period. Got all the trees removed, got the course reopened, got the clubhouse fixed, got a new roof put on. We just spent the money. Do we have insurance? Yeah, most clubs have insurance. We'll argue with those people over the next year or two about getting the money back. But members don't care about that. I want to play golf on Thursday at 2. I don't want to hear an email from my club saying, sorry, we're down because of the hurricane for three, four, six, eight weeks. You know what I'm saying? So that's another example of a topic that sounds kind of boring, but like having the capital resources to be able to immediately recover from an event like that and not have your club have to do a hundred emails to raise money to put the club back in shape. That came up recently with a number of clubs we've been talking to. Yeah, and, and I can only imagine in a situation like that too where you know it takes some time with the board to do all of those steps where the longer you take, the, 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 the list of people who still need work done, like you're just getting further and further down on this list of you know contractors down, you know, are still slammed with uh, work. Exactly. So you're jobs. now waiting yeah. and, 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 and nothing goes on time. So you know if they say, oh yeah, we can get to you in like a month and a half, you know it's going to be a solid three three months probably at, at this point. And then, yeah, not only do we have like a national account with these recovery disaster kind of people, so they arrive at our locations first because we have that agreement with them. But the other thing we hear from general managers and superintendents, Denny, is boy, it sure would be nice if uh, we didn't have to wait till a week from Thursday to have a board meeting or a committee meeting to address this. Oh, well then, two weeks from Thursday, I'll get quotes and budgets, and then I'll get you to approve them. Whereas at our company, our general manager just picks up the phone. Like when I hang up with you, I'm going to yeah. be on the phone with one of them, and they're going to be talking about some multi-million dollar thing they want to do. Today's Wednesday. Thursday, they'll be off getting quotes and hiring people and just starting to... They don't have to worry. They have the money. We're making the decision to make our members happy. We're not going to have 20 committee meetings about it and spend a year and a half talking about it. And I think that's why when you go to your favorite hotel with your you know, spouse or significant other, you expect them to put in a new spa or do a new this or that, and that's why you stay there. Well, clubs are the same thing. Why didn't you already put in the pickleball courts? Why didn't you already redo the women's locker room? Because it's on the agenda and we'll talk about it in six months, right? And we need to raise the money. That's, that's not how your favorite hotels and resorts are. And your club shouldn't be like that either. 
it needs to be quality. The improvements need to be fresh and, and, and up to date, like he said. The programming, we call it in the industry, not a good word. The activity, your magic show, comedy, book club, cards, you know, pickleball yep. we're putting in all over the place. The golf simulator thing we put in oh. everywhere because people want to go drink. They want to bet. They want to have fun in the winter like the weather where you are today. Like, can we just go hit some balls? Yeah. Uh, the course probably isn't great on a day like today, but let's go to the simulator. Let's spend an hour. Let's tune up my golf swing for April, May, right? Those are the things people want at their club. Do they want to spend 200 hours going to meetings to make that happen? Probably not if they knew that there was a good alternative, somebody that would handle all that for them. And that's, that's why we're here. And these are the conversations we have in these boardrooms, and they're nervous. But wait a minute. Since 1927, this is how it's worked before. What do you mean we're going to change from member-owned with 14 committees and all that? It takes time to like think through this, but I think our 29 clubs would all tell you we're way better off given how we're positioned now. And uh, we'd love to talk to all those clubs about how we can help them. You know, it's it's funny when, you know, we, we, we first, uh, you know, talked about bringing this back. I thought to myself, you know, like learning about all this, you know, me as like a, a young professional, I've never been a part of a board. So I think in my head, if I went into a boardroom and was like listening to all this stuff, I'm like, I would be so out of place. Like I would have no idea what like a functioning boardroom looks like, a non-functioning boardroom. Um, so like I can't imagine, you know, some of these younger people like me going in being like, yo, what is going on? Like, I thought we were here just to have like a good time. Like, isn't that what this is supposed to be about? Um, and like, to me, like, instead of being on that, I'd rather be on like another committee for like, you know, beer club or like, you know, exactly. whatever. I'd rather do something. Activities are fun. Which yeah. you could be a great leader of something like that. But it's interesting, Danny, like these boards do want younger people like you on the board because you are the future, right? They want to bring in more members like you. So they want to know what you're interested in seeing at your club. But most of these boards are packed with really impressive people in the community. Like these are CEOs and you know prominent people in the community. And the one interesting part of my job is I get to meet all these people. Some of them have incredible life stories and some of them are really good golfers. But it's really fascinating because they mostly come from boards of companies. Like they're on the board of their company. And the first thing they always tell me is, oh my goodness, this country club board is nothing like a real board of a company. It doesn't function like a real strategic planning board. We spent four hours last Thursday night talking about the hamburger. What are you doing? <laughs> like, we would not be doing that at my company's board meeting. Like, that's management's job is to figure out how to make the hamburgers, right? We should be talking about strategy, long-term planning. We're going to need another five or ten million to do all these things. And then we're going to let our general manager and our staff make the hamburgers or mow the grass, right? Like, and these people are consistently frustrated with how the board meetings actually go. <laughs> you would be a welcome, uh, refreshing, you know, change for them to kind of lighten things up. And hey, can we talk about activities? Can we make it more fun here? And that's what we do when we get to a club. We look at their calendar that's on everyone's refrigerator, and we think, boy, there's not a lot going on at this club. We could help. We'll build a kids' club, we'll get a comedy show, we'll do all these things that will make this a thriving, active, vibrant place that people will want to go spend time. Guess why we have another 50 members at that club? Because it's fun now, right? 
1000 and to make it just easy and like know that all the stuff's there and it's accessible. Like I know for me, um, you know, if, if I know like my club had X, Y, and Z, it would save me so much time just to, I don't have to go on to open table, see if there's a reservation. I don't have to go check out this. Like I can just call, Hey, you got a spot. Boom. I can know there's food, drinks. Yes. Oh man. For a younger person like me, just to know it's all being handled. Oh, that is, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what's what's like a process like? So, um, you know, somebody is interested in moving in this direction. What's that process? Yeah, typically we're on the phone. I'm on the phone. One of our people's on the phone with a board member who says, yeah, this could be interesting. I'm not sure, but I'd like to learn more. So we'll get on the phone. We'll walk them through a, a bunch of slides and explain how the process works, tell them about our company. And then normally they have an executive committee, right? If they have 12 board members, you can't have 12 people doing everything. So there'd be three or four board members that are doing most of the work, the president, the vice president, the finance chair, or somebody like that. Then I'll do a follow-up meeting with those three or four people and get in deeper. Typical questions, concerns we're going to have, unique issues at our specific club, right? And then after that, we'll lay out a proposal. Hey, we'll pay off your bank debt. We'll agree to do these capital improvements. We'll keep the dues in this level specific unique things about your club put that on a two-page term sheet and then eventually we'll get out in front of the whole membership we'll have a town hall meeting and we'll tell them about it and you know every time now they voted 90 95 100 percent in favor of doing it so once once they get exposed to it 95 percent is a typical vote for members when they hear about this right but it takes some time to do your homework usually they want to call a couple of our references board members at our other clubs sometimes they want to go visit some of our other clubs and see what it's really like before they bring this up and once they do that we've done these denny as quickly as a month or two other Watch times we've, we've gotten to know them over a year or two and, and they've warmed up to it. They've come to an event at one of our clubs. They've gotten to know some board presidents. And they've said, interesting, let's, let's talk about this at our club. And it, and it goes a little more slowly. But that's sort of how the process works. We're doing one now that will close next month, at the end of May, in the upper Midwest. We met them a year ago, played the golf course with a board member. And the whole board heard it and liked it. And we just did a town hall meeting a couple of weeks ago. And then we'll be in there end of May. And then we're in conversation with several other clubs who are, people are always considering it, but your show is a good example of, do I really have to get a bunch of golf magazines and read a bunch of articles? I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Now, how about I just grab this podcast on while I, what I'm doing, whatever I do, and I listen for 20 minutes and I can learn something about this, right? That, that's why I think what you're doing is a real service here. Thank you, Peter. It's great to have Concert Golf Partners and Board Chats back here on Private Club Radio. There's going to be so much value and so much content coming in the future. We are very excited to be partnering up with you guys once again. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you subscribe. We are going to be releasing new episodes of Board Chat on the regular. And if you're interested in learning more about Concert Golf Partners or having a chat with Peter, head on over to ConcertGolfPartners.com and you can get all the contact information there. 